All of Cindy's life, she's been made to survive. At the young age of 18, she's had to be cunning, courageous, and crafty in order to make it through the most dangerous game of life. So that when evil crosses her path, she knows she has to do whatever it takes to survive. This is based, biased, or BS. Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast where two best friends tell one true story. My name is Maddie. And I'm Zach. And this is Based, Biased, or BS. BBs. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It feels like we're kind of at a finish line. Almost. It's the last episode of the year. Happy last episode of the year. Goodbye, 2024. See you later, girl. See you never. We'll oh, never yeah. encounter her again. That's true. She's she's staying right where she is. <laughs> We're moving on. We're going on. She's in history now. Did yeah. you have a good year? I did have a good year. What's actually. a give me a highlight? Give me a movie highlight that they would play at your Oscar nomination. Oh, surely our New York City trip. Ooh, yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. We did so many modes of travel. So many modes of travel. We did so many things Mm -hmm. while we were there. Saw Broadway shows. We saw a show before it opened. Don't forget, Shocked wasn't even open when we saw it. It Oh, it was in previews. Mm -hmm. We knew before everyone else. We knew. We knew. (laughs) That's a good highlight for my year, too. I love it. Yeah. And, of course, the wedding. And Oh, yeah. And, of course, the wedding, too. Yes. The reason we were there. Beautiful. And we were late. Sorry. <laughs> Stupid Uber driver's fault. Okay. Maybe that's not a highlight, us being late. No, surely not. That's for sure a shadow. But every <laughs> highlight needs a shadow for there to be a highlight. True. For it to truly shine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, with the end of the year, we also have an exciting, exciting thing in this episode mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. Yes, but we're not going to talk about it yet. <laughs> Teased ya. Teased ya. You're going to have to wait to the end to hear all about our little surprise. Yes, yes, yes. So in case you were a skipper and you skip the end of the episode after yeah. we finish the story, don't stop skipping because we have a special announcement about the show that you'll want to listen to or else next or week you're going to be very confused. Really confused. <laughs> you're it's just say, the most confused you've ever thing? been. You'll yep. never, you've never been more confused. I hope that um, successfully teased you. Yeah. And with that, we have a whole movie to talk about. We have a whole movie to talk a about. doozy. And that movie is called The Frozen Ground. Mm-hmm. Had you ever it, heard of this movie before? No. Me uh-uh. either, kind of. So it was directed by Scott Walker. Did Why you just have like a that? baby talk? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't, I don't know why it happened. It was directed by Scott Walker and it stars Nicolas Cage as Sergeant Jack Holcomb, Vanessa Hudgens as Cindy Paulson, and John Cusack as Robert Hansen. Wow. Of these three actors, can you guess who I knew the most? (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, also known as Gabriela Montez, Mimi Marquez in Rent at the Hollywood Bowl, (laughs) and Maureen Johnson in Rent Alive. Ooh. And also known for having a notoriously bad early COVID take, but we're going to (laughs) just, we're just going to hop, skip, and a jump. That video is so cringe. She's also a really good judge, maybe guest judge or maybe real judge, I don't know, on So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, something she I didn't... was like a recurring judge, and then I think one season she like fully did. I always forget she's like a dancer, like she dances. Yeah. That's her like main main talent, yeah. I think. For sure. <laughs> would you say acting is that. high up on her talent? Well, I would say she gave an interesting performance in this movie. <laughs> okay. We'll just get there. We'll get yeah. there. John Cusack is the younger brother of. Can you guess? Joan Cusack. Yeah. Good job. Did you know <laughs> that? Ad- Duh. Oh, 
<laughs> Not me. Do you know where he's from? <laughs> um, I think it's like Canada, right? No. Oh, what? He's from Evanston, Illinois. Oh, wow. And he once took an acting class with my mother. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, Jody. She yeah. makes her way back on the pod. I know. I know we're not <laughs> supposed to talk about her anymore, but she took an acting class with that. the guy. I did. Oh, wow. That's amazing film facts. I know. Maybe the best of the year. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's a great way to end the year. Like, how else could yeah. I top that? Wow. So here's some more basic facts for you. I should have saved that one for the end. I don't know why I <laughs> didn't You should have. Wow. God, all right. Here's some. How can you follow that? Here's some just like film facts, I guess. <laughs> it was shot in 26 days. All in wow. Alaska. Yeah. That is a wow. That's shocking. I know. See, All I acted Alaska. like I didn't have any shocking facts left. <laughs> yeah. And the director, Scott Walker, delayed filming on purpose until the cusp of fall and winter so that they wouldn't need to edit in any snow effects. Mm. It would just all be real. Good. Yeah. And by the Authentic. end of filming, daylight had decreased by three and a half hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Well, as we'll get to, this happens in Alaska, truthfully, so it's yeah. reflecting what the real okay we're starting is. early with the good jobs <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing in this movie necessarily um the film didn't win any major awards okay but when it got added to netflix in 2020 it became the number one most streamed movie the week of september 5th mm. wow. and it was added at the end of august so it had a little moment I feel like of no shine one even knew about the movie, then it pops up no. on Netflix, and you're like, Vanessa Hutchins in a in a murder crime movie? Okay. With with these two men? <laughs> with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> like, I feel like... I, I'm not going to talk about him. Just like, I know he's a famous movie star. But like... Yeah. I love him. You do? <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's an amazing actor. What about... What do you think about John? Um, I think I'm maybe i'm getting him confused with people is he okay was he in the john wick series i don't know <laughs> you don't <laughs> any of its credits no i only focus oh on god. vanessa oh my god the one person you already knew i know i have a review Ooh, okay this is from a year ago <clears throat> okay what did she think or they think not a good movie at all <gasps> With so many good actors, I thought it would be. It was so predictable. It wasn't reality. But it was. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) I watched less than half and changed the channel. Not one of Nicolas Cage's best, that's for sure. One star, maybe two. I thought it was pretty stupid, to be honest. She listed it as one star. Scathing. I disagree. I thought it was... a pretty good movie okay i thought it was this was gonna reflect your own opinion i was scared no i was so shocked by it every other review i found kind of just like talks about the plot okay of them every like positive review is like this is what happens and it's great and i'm like okay Mm -hmm." yeah i tried to skip those ones too because i'm like i'm about to talk about the plot yeah so so you don't need to do that's my job (laughs) i was like charlene yeah, she was Are you mad. trained? She didn't even watch the whole movie. Yeah, you watched half. Was it predictable? Because there were some things that I didn't predict. Did you know anything going into this movie? No. I'm sorry. Knew nothing. I for a second thought it'd be about penguins, <sighs> but um, that was quickly dashed. So it's a me pick, so you have to know it's not going to be probably I know. about animals unless they murder people. I know, and then like pretty <laughs> early on, pretty early on, Vanessa w- was revealed, so I was in it. Okay. When there was no penguins, but there was Vanessa, I was like, okay, I guess. I know. I have to give you something. Yeah, but like 2013 is also like not that close to High School Musical time for her 
It's pretty close, though, still, because I looked it up. High School Musical, the last one came out in tw- 2009. Well, yeah. So it's still like... I guess filming-wise, it's pretty close. Yeah, but she was one of those people right after High School Musical. She wanted to break away from that, so yeah. she also did Spring Clearly. Breakers, too. Oh, yeah. Which came out, I think, before this. And that was mm-hmm. like anti-High School Musical, yep. basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, are you ready to jump into our last true story of the year? No, but I'm going to pretend like I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to end us out, I had to give us one last murder story. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I was missing our spooky month, so I had to do it one more time. Uh, Okay. So a few content warnings for this episode, just because it's not what we usually talk about. We're going to cover murder. Obviously, I just said that. Um, Specifically, though, violence against sex workers. Yeah. And some pretty intense sexual assault details from the survivor herself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I have quotes and stuff, too. So, like, hearing it from that person and their exact experience can be a little bit more intense. So, just letting you all know that. So, if this isn't one of how you... If this isn't one... How do you say it? If this isn't how you want to end your year, we'll see you next episode. Yeah. Are you ready? As ready as I could be. Okay. Well, we are going to start our story on June 13th of 1983 in Anchorage, Alaska. Love it. Our main character, whose name is Cindy Paulson... Mm-hmm. Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. She is 18 at the time. Does she look 18? Yeah. Okay. She always plays or looks yeah. young. She was like a 18 to 25 for a solid 10 years, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> so I couldn't find a whole lot of credible information on her life leading up to this point. Most of her or most of what is written about her is about her from this day on. Okay. Because this is what is infamous about her. But I did find her transcript of her testimony of these events with Alaskan State Trooper Sergeant Glenn Floth. And that was incredibly helpful to get all of this just from her own point of view. Yeah. A few days after the fact. But again, in that interview, she didn't really go into her childhood. Or like talking about her past. Yeah. So Cindy Paulson is born July 5th, 1965. And at this point in her life, um, now we're back to our current time. She's about to be 19 and she lives with her mother currently. Okay. Did we see that? No, she was not living with her family at the time that I saw her. Okay. I just saw with her mother. I didn't really get any more information other than that. Okay. Yeah, the Cindy I saw was definitely estranged from her family. Okay. She was sometimes living with her mother and other times she spent at like a hotel motel kind of space. Yes, I saw that hotel motel space. Okay. While she's somewhat new to Alaska, she had recently moved there. She's already a seasoned sex worker on the streets of Anchorage, even at her young age. Yeah, okay, yeah. I... It was hard to find. She said one thing in the interview of like, I've just been here a couple weeks, so I'm still kind of making friends. So I could get from that that she just moved to the area, but I don't really have any other details other than that. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a ton of that. It was a lot of flashbacks also Mm. in the movie. She's usually seen sporting thick, dark mascara around her eyes dark short hair and wearing an oversized fur coat that she used to keep warm on the cold Alaskan streets in between her clients. Yeah. mm -hmm. I saw all that for sure. Cindy had met this man a few nights ago on Friday. She had given him her number, which was a number that connected him to big timber, which was this motel in Anchorage where she was sometimes staying. Okay. Also included her room number room 110. Okay. It wouldn't happen tonight, but they planned to meet up the next day, Saturday. And like we all do at times, she overslept and missed the appointment, 
with this new John. So now it's Sunday night. It's June 13th, like I said at the beginning, and Cindy is expecting con- to connect with this new client just because they've like missed it previously many times. <clears throat> yeah. From all interactions with the man thus far, Cindy said she got a good feeling from him and that he seemed like a pretty good guy. In her interview, Cindy said about him, quote, he has kind of darkish brown hair and he's short. He's got like frog warts on his face, buck teeth. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got green or blue eyes and he's about 5'6", weighs about 170 pounds. 170 pounds, end quote. Frog warts? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see anything on I his face? I don't think I saw frog warts. Really? Okay. I guess that makes sense. But in many, many a source, I found that this man that we'll mention later had really chronic acne and just had really huge, uh, like... Like almost like boils and cysts all over his face. Okay. Yeah. Ever since he was a kid. So that's what she was referring to as frog warts. What about those buck teeth? Just buck? (laughs) Yeah, just bucking. Okay. Where does the movie start for you? Or how do we get introduced to Cindy? Um, Not yet? Screaming he's going to kill me in a bathroom. (gasps) Okay. And then an officer rushes in and says, you're going to be okay. And then they take her to like the police station. <gasps> okay. That's the opening scene. <laughs> okay. Well, so. that's kind of, w- that's how I got my information too, is I read her what she tells the police okay. after that moment. So that's yeah. what I pieced together from this story. So this is her telling what's happening. Okay. So it's at around 11.30 p.m. Sunday night when Cindy was at the corner of 4th and Denali. And this same man pulled into a parking lot nearby driving a metallic green Buick Century. Metallic green car. I don't remember a specific car. Okay, well, Cindy does because this was a fact that she was able to correctly remember and recount to police later in this same interview. Interesting. The John rolls down the passenger window and the two chat for a bit. Then Cindy opens the door and gets into his car. Mm -hmm. They start talking about sex and business and he wants her to come back to his house, which she knows is a huge no-no for her. Yeah. She's learned that you never go to a client's home or never somewhere that you've never been before. Never been before. Mm Mm-hmm. So since she doesn't agree to this, the frog wart man offers her $200 for oral sex in his car. Yeah. Which she is used to this kind of arrangement. Right. Kind of being able to seclude yourself in the privacy somewhat of a car, do your thing, get your money, and get out of there. In the movie, it was not in the car, but that is what happened. $200 for a blowjob. Oh, okay. Where was it? I think it was like... Outside? A cabin. Oh, oh, okay. Well, yep. Okay, okay. We'll get to the cabin. Oh, God. So she agrees to this in the car, though, $200. Um, They drive off together and find a more secluded spot to park. Okay. And she clocks in to work. She begins performing oral sex, but it all quickly changes. And Cindy says, he kept feeling around my neck like he was just tripping, playing with my neck and my necklaces. And then he cuffed one of my hands and I was trying to get loose and he pulled out a gun. Then he had got my other hand cuffed. I didn't know how he did it. It was just frightening because I didn't really, I fought, but not a lot because I knew he would do something. End quote. Okay. So from the second it was it was sex at first and quickly he turned it he was playing with her neck and then all of a sudden she's in handcuffs yeah power yep and her fight or flight kicks in and she fights somewhat but realizes that she could be in more danger if she does that yeah huh i know so this is just gonna get worse before it gets better but i promise it gets better takes a while though yeah, this 
horrible man then drives Cindy to his house, his original plan, because that's what he wanted at first, um, which was located on Old Harbor Road. He leans it. He leads her in, gun pointed at her face the entire time, still handcuffed, and brings her into the basement and onto a couch. Mm. At this point, he takes any jewelry she had on her, necklaces and some rings. The basement walls are lined with massive stuffed goats and caribou and moose heads. Yeah, Taxidermy there are animals everywhere. everywhere. Ugh taxidermy trophies of a skilled hunter proudly presented on each wall of the tiny damp room Um. i saw pictures of it and it's just a small tiny room obviously no windows because of basement and then so many heads on every single wall that just make it look even tinier and scarier the yellow tinted lights did little to brighten uh, the dark room. A dirty I hate brown poor couch. lighting. It was yeah. Yellow lights. Yellow dirty lights. A stained brown couch sat atop a massive bearskin rug on the floor. The room stink of yeah. mud and man. Bearskin is key. He threatens Cindy with her life if she tries to scream or run away. And then we can kind of think what happens. He proceeds to rape her repeatedly, specifically on the bearskin rug. Yes. I won't get too specific here, but I should also say, reading her interview, Cindy is just the most incredibly strong woman I think I've ever researched. Even at her young age, we're talking right now, she's 18. She doesn't leave out any detail for Sergeant Glenn Floth, who is a man. It's just them mm-hmm. two in a room together, and she is just laying it all out. So I feel like if Cindy can do that literally days after, we can hear just a little bit about it 40 yeah. years later. So she was handcuffed to a chair with her neck tied to the leg of a coffee table. Oh. And just horribly, Cindy was on her period at the time. No. Which didn't stop this horrible man who kept telling her that he wasn't going to hurt her while he was continually sexually assaulting her and torturing her. Horrid. So now, I guess, opening scene to your movie, he brings her into the bathroom, still handcuffed, and now with a rope tied around her neck. And he leaves her there and closes the door. Is that where the bathroom is, or is it a bathroom at the police station? At like a motel or something. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, never mind then. Well, I'll, I'll bring you back to your intro later. Okay. So Great. she's in this bathroom in his basement, and then that is all completely horrible, but I this moment in particular just really gave, just chilled me. She's in the bathroom, door closed. She hears a truly scary sound, the sound of chains, metal chains being brought out into the next room. Jesus. This is darker than I think any of our Halloween Halloween ones are. I'm sorry. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, When he tells her that she can come out of the bathroom, he had set up some sort of bed thing on the floor near the pool table in the basement. He proceeds to wrap these chains around Cindy's neck four times before wow. handcuffing her to those chains. To her own neck chains? Yeah. Then he falls asleep on the couch next to her. Okay. <sighs> I didn't see any of that. Thank God. It started after that. Okay. What I saw was mostly after. I saw some of that in flashbacks, but not yeah. Thank in its God. entirety. Cindy says to investigators that it was about four hours before he finally woke up again, and it seemed like he had dreamed up this wild plan. This is all from like her point of view. It seemed like he woke up and was like, this is what we're going to do. She says, quote, he told me that since he liked me so good that he would take me to his cabin and he would make love to me one time and bring me back. And he said that he had a plane over at Merrill Airfield and that we would go there. Then he would take me to his cabin and bring me back. 
Yeah. And I knew that I wasn't going to come back. Oh, Cindy. Cindy's so smart. So smart. She mentions this spot, Merrill Airfield. It's a tiny, little, little spot. You can't really even call it an airport. It's more of an airspace, technically. It is a mile from downtown Anchorage, and it has a whopping three runways. Okay. One of which is a gravel runway. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So it's mainly used for single-engine planes, like people's personal, like, I like to fly planes kind of planes, and helicopters, there's no commercial planes that land here. Right. So there's also, it's not like an airport situation where there's tons of people. Correct. It's, yeah. It's called, it's technically like an airport, I guess, because it's like, you can take off from there, but it's more an airfield, airspace kind of thing. Yes. Which will come back into play. At this point, he's managed to get Cindy back into his car, and now, this time in the back seat lying down and covered by a blanket. Mm. In the passenger seat, he has a rope and a gun. They drive, and now they pull into this airspace, and she notices that they're able to park pretty close to the plane. Cindy doesn't know this at the time, but it's his personal plane, and they will be the only two boarding it. Uh. Because he says plane, but that... What I just described to you doesn't isn't exactly what you think. Like, okay, right. I might be able to board a plane and talk to people and and whatever, but but now we're pulling up to a plane. What's going on? I have or a blanket like, over I'm my head. I'm walking right to this. Yeah, I can't see anything. I just have to go off what I'm hearing. The man gets out of the car. He puts his gun on the roof of the car and then goes to the back, opens the trunk, and starts digging through it, looking for something or like getting something out. He pops his head back in to say that he has to put some type of seat in the plane. I think he had only had it rigged right now for one person, and so he had to put another seat in it for her to be able to tie her to it or something. And now she knows very cleverly without her sight at all that he's having to go back and forth between the plane Mm. and the car and the trunk. She knows he's not always looking at her 24-7. Right. So she sits up and looks. The cover falls off. She can see now. And she sees him at the back of the plane. And the front driver's door of the car is open. And then this moment in pure movie magic brilliance. If this isn't in the movie, I will sue. Cindy Paulson takes off her blue sneakers and tucks them underneath the passenger seat of this frog wart faced man's car. Yes. By doing so, she can ensure later that these sneakers can be found and used as evidence to prove that she was kidnapped. I didn't see any of this scene. Stop it. Really? Well, they didn't talk about it later. Good job, Cindy, putting your shoes. No, nothing. <sighs> that is just chills at that moment of her being able to think so far and ahead when she's at a moment of life or death and the way you described it i felt like i saw it happen so i just i'm scrolling through my notes right now to be like is there did i write about like later in the movie we get more of a flashback to like right before she got taken Mm -hmm. initially but no i guess that makes sense for a movie because it is a pretty like traumatic story i am describing to you right and i would prefer to watch a movie of the aftermath but yeah yeah i just really that shoe moment wow oh which then is also a huge thing because shoes she's about to run for her life right shoes are a crucial thing to have on your feetsies for sure so after leaving her evidence she opens up the back door of the car which is unlocked and she runs for her life pretty immediately the man notices and starts chasing after cindy And then, God bless America, there's a man parked nearby at his truck in this airspace parking area. And he's about to see the most wild scene of his life. A hysterical and rightfully so young woman without shoes, handcuffed, running up to him with the fear of God in her eyes, and a man chasing after her. But as Cindy gets closer the 
scary part is the man who was chasing her starts to back off. Once he notices she's going to reach him before I get to her, he backs off and returns to his car. Okay. If it's two people running at you, you're, you're like, maybe it's an emergency. They both, something's wrong. But then when the man backs off, you're like, you That's, were up to something bad. Yeah. And you didn't want me to see you doing it. Yeah. It's scary. Ugh. So this truck man, I couldn't find his name, um, is like, woman, are you okay? What is going on? And Cindy, who I'm sure does not feel like trusting another strange man and getting into his car. Yeah. Kind of has to. And instead of telling him anything, she asks him to take her to the Mush Inn, which is a nearby hotel that Cindy knows has a phone that she can use and call her friend to pick her up. Oh, this poor girl. She was about to get taken into this man's plane. Yeah. We're going to find out what he would have done with her and ran ran for her life and Literal. got safe. Thank God that man was there. Thank God. It, it, they're in the middle of nowhere in this airspace. Yeah. Alaska's not very heavily populated. <laughs> no. Tell me what happens next. Once her friend brings her back home, they still haven't been able to take the handcuffs off of Cindy She's still wearing them. The trauma. So they finally call the police and an interview is held. And the police take the handcuffs off. Okay. Thanks to her impeccable ability to remember key evidence details during crisis, such as the specifics of the basement setup and how it looked, the correct make, model, and color of this man's car, and mm. such a picture-perfect memory of the man that she told police, all the way down to nailing his exact body weight in the description. Damn. I could never. Just by sight. <laughs> I love that you said that earlier, just without even kind of knowing I was going to talk about this. You were like, I don't even remember what the car was colored. I'm like, well, Cindy. Cindy remembered that and much, much more. Oh, my God. While she was experiencing it. How, like, her brain was like, I'm going to hold on to the details. It was like snapshots everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And I, this is, maybe I shouldn't speculate about this, but I just have to imagine she, or you would have to be worried a lot working as a sex worker on the streets. And this moment happens and her brain is going it's happening it's happening we have to survive this what we've been scared about is happening so she just took pictures all along the way left her evidence and survived it's so shocking to me they didn't use that in the movie i mean i guess because they didn't use any of that initial flight yeah it's shocking though it's such a movie epic moment well, right, and they did show me other girls doing all these things. Like, mm. they showed the man doing all this stuff to other people mm-hmm. as we learned what happened to Cindy. Yeah. So was Vanessa Hudgens just really in the beginning and not really She was in the, the whole movie. Okay. Do we, we go all the way to, like, the law and court? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I love to hear it. Thanks to Cindy. Police quickly identify the man as Robert Hansen. Mm-hmm. The town's local baker. Yes. Yes, he was a baker in the movie. How cute. A baker. Yeah. So they bring him in for questioning, and he tells police that Cindy is just trying to start problems for him because they agreed to pay this much, and then after they had their sex, she wanted more money, and he wasn't going to do that, so he tried to pay her the original and now she's trying to sue him or whatever. Yes. That's exactly what I saw. The police believe him and choose to not believe Cindy. And because he's the baker and he's respected in the town, they know him by name. He has a wife and kids. Yeah. Why would he ever do this? Doesn't sound like him. Couldn't be. Yeah. He also has an alibi from his friend, John Henning. Who says he was with him at the time. Yeah. We later find out that that alibi 
is not real. John. So even though Cindy laid out all of this evidence so clearly for the for police and everyone, since she's a sex worker, we can't trust her. Yep. There was a whole interrogation I had to watch of someone being like, well, I have to decide if you were, if you were even with this guy when you say you were. Are you even your age you say you are? Are you really 23? She's telling people a fake age. Because mm-hmm. like, you don't want to tell them you're 18. No. Ugh, it's so horrible. Like, why would she make any of this up? I know. He was going to put me on a plane, so I ran to safety. Why would that ever be the fake story? It's so unbelievable. Why would yeah. I choose that? <laughs> why? But luckily, not everyone was tricked. Our state trooper, Mr. Sergeant Glenn Floth, who I talked about earlier, who is going to, yeah, who is Nicolas Cage, right? Yes. He believes Cindy's story, and he thinks that she isn't the only victim of Robert Hansen. Yeah, big time. For the last 10 years, the Alaskan state troopers had been finding bodies scattered in the wilderness with no clue as to who they were or what had happened to them some they were able to identify but a lot were these jane doe missing just unidentified bodies yeah yeah i saw that sergeant floth had began to believe that they were all connected because of similar similarities in the cases how they were disposed or how the bodies um how the people were killed yeah he was connecting the dots Mm-hmm. The red tape was going over here to here, up up and down. Yes. He contacts the FBI, and more specifically, he contacts Special Agent John Douglas from the Behavioral Science Unit. Okay. Does that name ring a bell? No. AKA, this is a pretty big person in the world of true crime. He is part of the team that first defined the term serial killer. Whoa. John Douglas. Um, His career is also depicted in the Netflix series that was wrongfully canceled after its second season, Mindhunter. Oh, maybe he was in the movie and I just did a bad job of paying attention because I don't know about (laughs) true crime. Jonathan Groff is also in Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Um, Well, whatever. So John Douglas of the Behavioral Science Unit agrees to help and he also agrees with Floth that these crimes and disappearances do appear to be connected. Mm. Which means, scarily, that they might have a serial killer on the loose in Alaska. Dun, dun, dun! It wouldn't be the first time, and it definitely will not be the last time. Oh, man. In history. Okay, according to Douglas's criminal profile... Their suspect would be an experienced hunter. That's kind of what he does is make. Yeah. He does all behavioral mind kind of stuff. Okay. So he makes a profile based on all of these, all of the evidence, all of the bodies, everything. So he says that their suspect would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem. <laughs> all of that check, acne check. sure gives a man low self-esteem. Yep. Um, he would have a history of being rejected by women. Yep. Check. And he would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as jewelry, rings, or photographs. Yup. So because, like, um, Floth had thought that it was Robert Hansen, but since he brought in the FBI, they started fresh. Upon looking through their suspect list again, Douglas agreed with Floth that Hansen was clearly their man. Yeah. That was a hard sentence to say. Aided with Cindy's testimony that we read from today, on October 27th, 1983, police obtained a search warrant for Hansen's plane, vehicles, and home. That was a really hard thing for them to get. Really? In the movie, the search warrant, yeah. The, Why? I don't know. The The person in charge, like the FBI person, before they could get a warrant, kept being like, I need actual evidence. I need actual evidence. You don't have evidence. These are just conjectures. Listen to Cindy's story. We have evidence, ma'am. Well, there's this also whole thing that like Cindy didn't want to testify at first. Understandable. Right. So until when he didn't have her, it was also like, you can't, you're not getting a warrant. Hmm. 
but then they got her. So warrant they got. It was important too because yes. this warrant breaks the case. Yes. Because this is what they found. Jewelry, like mm-hmm. John Douglas said, belonging to multiple different women, all of which were either murdered or still reported missing. They found firearms secretly hidden mm-hmm. in his attic. Yeah. In a crawl space. Yes. Like a whole stash of rifles and guns. Yeah. And if you could be a gun fanatic, we're not going to make this a gun conversation. But if you have guns hidden in your attic in a crawl space, that like, why are they so secretive? Yeah. Why, exactly. why are you hiding Is that guns? like really where you want those to be? And why do you have jewelry belonging to missing or murdered women? Yeah. And okay, also, why do you have, have a- an aeronautical map with 37 small, small X's, X's scattered around it, hidden behind your bed headboard, sir? Yeah, why? The scariest piece of evidence you could ever find. A map. A map. X's everywhere. Yeah. And in the movie, when this happens, there, it's a whole big deal that they're like, if you guys don't find evidence in this search, mm-hmm. that's it. We they don't, have to call it off. You have to call it off. We can't arrest him. We let him go. There's nothing we can do. And they're not finding anything. And then his name's not Liam Neeson. What's his name? <laughs> John Cusack? No. Oh, um, Jack Nicholas Cage? Nicholson. Stop. You need to go on actor probation. I know. I, I know. We need someone send us classes. She needs to have some actor classes. Not Just performance on the old wise. White men. I can't tell them apart. Okay. <laughs> so what? Nicholas Cage? Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is like, that's it, man. We're starting over from top to bottom. We're not missing anything. We're going to find evidence. I know it is here. Mm-hmm. I know it. And also in the movie before that, what's uh John Cusack had mm-hmm. dumped a bunch of evidence. Oh. He flew his little plane into a winter storm with his son and dumped a bunch of evidence. I was like, are you about to kill your child? What's happening? Like, because he okay. can't dump and fly at the same time. Oh, I see. So he implicates his son. Got it. I mean, not I don't actually. have any, any on that. But he did, like, once Cindy got away, he did have a day or two. I don't know exactly the time. I just kind of made that up. There was some time where he could get rid of things and I hide think it stuff. was more than a, well in the movie it was portrayed like maybe like a month or a couple oh, months in yeah. between when she escaped and when he like I, realized. I could have the answer for you if I go back cuz I have the date that this interview was held so I could look back on sure. I know this happened July whatever but and there was there was also this like united determination that we're gonna find the person who did this because there's been so many cases of people where we have not been able to find either their bodies or the killer or get any type of justice for these families so we're not gonna let that happen he's not gonna get away it was a there's so much writing on it yeah when they found the map too some of the marks actually match spots that they had already found bodies in the alaskan wilderness which meant that also after they found this, they were able to locate many more bodies following this morbid X marks the spot game. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Horrid. So when confronted by police, like that is a s- smoking gun. You're gone. Right. Because they couldn't get him to confess before that. Mm-hmm. He fought it for a long time. And then we see once he they pull this out, he starts to confess mm. quickly. When confronted by the police, Hansen tried blaming his victims for acting up or being wild, which forced him to have to control them. And sometimes huh. they did. Uh, I did have to hit them or something. So then they passed out and I was scared. So he just blamed it all on them, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but quickly, once they pulled out the map, like I say, said, he started confessing to his 10 plus year crime streak. Interesting. It was the map that did it fully. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. In the movie, they bring the map in and he's like, that's a hunting map. You can't draw any conclusions from that. 
and mm. then Cindy like makes an appearance. And oh. he's like, you little bitch, I should have killed you when I had the chance. And that's like the admission. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> it was a really good delivery on John's part. Like um, the end of a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, that's kind and of how dog, it was. too. Yeah. It was like he saw her and that enraged him so much that he <laughs> admits his guilt. Yeah, no. Once he saw the map and then they said, well, we found a body here that we didn't know about until we saw this X on your map. How do you explain that? He started confessing. Mm. Even though he did, though, confess, he would never completely confess to every crime we now know that he's responsible for. Yeah. So let's get into it a little bit. He admitted to police and FBI that his spree attacks against the women of Alaska began in 1971. Ugh. Hansen is known to have raped and assaulted over 30 women. No. And to have murdered at least 21. <sighs> ranging in ages from 16 to 41. It's like there's no, there's not even a rhyme or reason to the. No, it's ever, it's, we'll see a lot of these are just whoever he could find alone when he wanted them just attacking uh, there's a name for it predator um opportunity crimes of opportunity yes, yeah most of his victims were actually between the ages of 16 and 19 and were uh. not sex workers like cindy yeah because of cindy's story and how you know epic it is in relation to his crimes a lot of assumptions are made about his victims that they're all sex workers and that he only did this to sex workers that is not the case most of them like we'll hear are not in that lifestyle and are just kind of walking to the supermarket or doing things by themselves at night yeah in our episode format we don't really have a lot of time to go into depth on each of these women as much as they deserve, but we're still gonna talk a little bit about them now. Yeah. And at least hear all of their names because they went unknown for a long time. So Celia Beth Van Zaten, Zanten, she was 18 at the time of her kidnapping and she disappeared at night while walking to the nearby supermarket. Mm. Uh, Megan Shaban Emmerich, who was last spotted leaving her dorm laundry room at the age of 17. Mary Kathleen Till, who disappeared at the age of 22 from Seward, Alaska. Aklutna Annie, have you ever heard of her before? They mentioned her in the movie. Okay. She was one of his more famous um, cases. Um, her remains were found buried next to a power line in a wooded area in Aklutna, Alaska, which is the town that gives her her name because her true identity is still unknown to police uh, to this day. Yeah. 24-year-olds Joanne Massina and Roxanne Eastland. I heard about Joanna. Yeah, yep, she comes back. Lisa Futrell, a 41-year-old who was reported missing after her night shift at a club. Andrea Mona Altillery, who went by the nickname Fish. Hmm. Sue Luna and Sherry Moreau. Yep, Sherry Sue Moreau came might... up. Yep. And Robin Pelkey. Hmm. Did you hear that name? I don't think so. I could be wrong. You, I can actually assure you that you didn't hear that name because she was an unidentified Jane Doe for decades. Oh. She had been known as Horseshoe Harriet. Oh. Did you hear that? I think so. Her body was found in 18, no, in 1982. Huh. And it wasn't until 37 years later, thanks to forensic genealogy, that Robin Pelkey was identified as a victim of Robert Hansen oh. in October of 2021. Whoa. After this movie came out. Wow. Yeah. She would have been 19 at the time of her kidnapping and murder, and there was no record ever found reporting her missing at the time. Horrible. Which is sad. Yeah. The list of his victims go on. Delyn Sugar Frey, Paula Golding, mm. Malia Larson, Teresa Watson, Angela Lynn Federn, and Tamara Tammy Pedersen. Mm. 
I wanted to also just give a plug here to not leave it at that. There's another podcast that's called Crime Junkie. You've probably heard of it. It's a much popular podcast than ours. And they have a episode about this case where they talk a little bit more about each of the victims too. Mm. So if you want a little bit more there, you can check them out there. So even though that list was quite long, of these 18 innocent women, Hansen was only formally charged with the murders of four. Sherry Moreau, Joanna Messina, Aklutna Annie, and Paula Golding. Yeah. As well as charged with the kidnapping and rape of our Cubanist, Cindy Paulson. Cindy Paulson. Yeah. At the end of the movie, it tells us that and that it's the first time Cindy has told her story. Wow. With the movie. The reasoning behind only charging for four people is really to guarantee that they can get him convicted. If the more they add, the less sure they can be on each piece of evidence to get them all. And if they add one that they can't convict him on, then it could ruin all the others. Yeah, it gave me a number. It's frustrating, but in being convicted for four, it's technically that by the books, but he's really being brought to court for right each of them at least in my i don't know how the families feel but that's how i feel yeah in accordance with his plea deal investigators took the death penalty off the table in exchange for details about his crimes mm-hmm. robert hansen showed investigators to the locations of 17 different grave sites scattered around south central alaska yes Ugh. i saw that they A like little showed tour. them traveling They said it was like the largest search party in Alaskan history. Yes. Yes. And it's necessary, but it's also horrid. So horrible that he gets this little Alaskan vacation, travel me all around to my like glory day spots. Yep. Yep. Look at all the little, all my little trophies everywhere, which we know he likes trophies. It's horrible. Cindy's was a unique story, though, because no one had ever gotten away, at Mm -hmm. least in the confessions that Hanson gave police. He told a lot of things, but he also didn't tell everything. So maybe someone has a story of getting away that they just haven't told. Who knows? He confesses to abducting many of his victims, getting them into his own personal plane, then flying them out to his cabin that was in the Alaskan wilderness. While he completely confesses to some of the murders, like Paula Golding, who we're about to talk about, he denies others. Women like Celia Van Zanten, whose body was found in the exact spot where his murder map had an X, but he denies ever knowing, seeing, or especially ever harming the 18-year-old. So how is there a dead body where you put an X on a map? Yeah, like what? That's not possible. It's not coincidence. No. Well, especially not coincidence when in every other ex, there's also a dead body. Yeah. So. So stop lying, you frog wart man. Oh, my God. Hansen specifically tells police the story of Paula Golding, who he forced to. I'm sorry, we're going to get rough again. Uh, He forced her to strip naked. Then he sexually assaulted her, after which he opened the door to the cabin, letting the freezing Alaskan air in. And he told her that she could run away. And so she fled for her life, naked, without shoes on, in the snow. Uh, he waited He waited a few moments. Then Hansen grabbed his rifle and followed after them. Not just mm-hmm. Paula. He did this with multiple women, yeah. hunting them down like prey. And as a skilled hunter, he was always successful. Yeah, I unfortunately saw a version of this. She was not naked, but mm. the hunting aspect. The hunting is bad. It's like, okay, he's a serial killer. It's This is a bad story. And then you learn that he hunted these women in the forest. Yeah. But the worst, for me, truly the worst part of all, is that he was a local baker. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just needed well, to laugh no, about it something. Is ba- it was uncomfortable. Like the man who would, makes your croissants is also hunting women to, in the forest. It would cut to him like working on raw dough and then like using one of those like big 
one of those like baker's like slicing things when you're like cutting through dough yeah and yeah. i was like like it would switch from his hands doing that to like tying Ooh. up a woman with rope Ooh. i was like stop showing me this contrast <laughs> i get it i, get I see it. your artistic vision Ugh. on february 28th of 1984 robert hansen was found guilty on all those four counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to a total of 461 years imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Yep. Obviously, because he couldn't get death penalty, so 461 years. That'll do him. Yeah, thank God. Thanks in huge part to Cindy Paulson's insane attention to detail and clear thinking during a moment when her life was also at stake. Yes. Big time. I can't. Yeah. I, I just can't fathom it. I keep saying that, but I, I have, I'm speechless about it. So that is the true story of serial killer Robert Hansen. But more importantly, the true survival story of the woman who unraveled his 12 year murder spree, Cindy Paulson. Yeah. The end of the movie is like, it goes through pictures of all the victims and their names and whether or not their bodies were recovered at the time of the movie. And it ends with Cindy as survivor. Wow. Yeah. Mm, that's powerful. I'm glad I, <laughs> yeah. it was real pictures of all the, the yep, women, real, real pictures that's of all good. the women. So first at, at the end, it was like, it was Vanessa Hudgens as Cindy. And then it morphed into the actual oh, Cindy. Wow. Yeah. It was very powerful. Yeah. That woman. I can't get over her. And she's still alive. She just like is living a quiet life. Doesn't want people to talk to her. She probably has changed her name. So don't look her up. But yeah, her story is at the end. It said she's married and has three kids. And yep, it said where she lives. He died in like 20. 12 or something who robert hansen the oh robert player. hansen okay yeah he died in jail good good yep at the age of 75 i believe oh. i didn't i didn't care about it i just saw yeah. he died and i was like good yeah the movie perspective was much more the the investigator and cindy kind of okay. their perspectives there was also a lot of bob's they called him bob robert's perspective he went by bob too i saw that he liked to be called bob so i called him robert okay (laughs) fair i saw that he liked to be called bob so i called him robert (laughs) i was like killed me um but yeah it was pretty great performances overall i mean vanessa had like a weird accent sometimes they didn't i don't maybe she was like trying to be canadian from like Mm the slums or something i don't know it was weird oh well if you heard me in some of the quotes that i had from cindy she did have that kind of affectation to her voice okay she said the word like tripping or things like that okay so there was some type of like of something like that that. vernacular i'm sure probably because there's audio clips too i found one that i wasn't sure if i could put into the episode but i'll try if i can um of her speaking so i'm sure probably vanessa listened to something that i mean yeah she is she's still vanessa hudgens it was it was good and the two men were were good in their roles too i think because (laughs) the two men vanessa hudgens was really great but the other two men yeah they were pretty good they were pretty good the two men oscar winning actor nicholas cage (laughs) i don't know that i've seen john cusack and nicholas cage in memorable movies before for me which is just that will explain a lot for people not even national treasure like that absolutely not not my comedy (gasps) and so i think because of that i was like oh yeah i really believe them as these characters because i've never seen them do anything else okay Sure. I shouldn't say that so confidently. I've never seen them do anything else. <laughs> we have to move on before you get canceled. Yeah, it's been a week. Oh, my God. Okay. But before we 
move on. Wait, you didn't say. Base I didn't base tell you what I thought. <laughs> I know. Um, what do you think? I'm going to go biased. Okay. I'm going to go biased. A lot of things were obviously true and pretty accurate, but I think also there was some movie elements that I'm like, well, okay, you invented that decision. Just like little things about the movie that I'm like, I, I could have seen her. She could have still left her shoes. Yeah. She like there's, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Biased, you weren't really agreeing with me a lot, but still they had to tell the story. It's a large story of this man. Yes. And again, we only told one woman's survival tale of it when he has been convicted. I guess convicted of four, but they know of 21 murders. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Biased. Stamp it. Last last one of the year. (gasps) That's good. That's a good... A good movie, you enjoy the movie, would recommend or not? I like the movie. I think it's one you got to be prepared to know what you're watching to enjoy it. Like if you think it's just going to be like a cute Alaskan getaway, like in the proposal, you're wrong. So (laughs) just don't be thinking that or anything about penguins and you're good. Have you ever heard of or read the short story, The Most Dangerous Game? Nope. Okay. It's kind of stop exposing gives me, me for these the vibes. things I know nothing about. What? Yeah, literally any anything I reference, unless it's Shrek, High School Musical, or local children's theater, you won't know. <laughs> well, for all of you English students out there who know what I'm talking about, the most dangerous game crew, rise up. Okay, we have a. Exciting announcement. Yeah, finally. Instead of telling you what we're going to watch next week, we are preparing you (laughs) for a reveal. A reveal of none other than our entire branding. Yeah. We're coming out with um, a new podcast logo and we're going to look different next week. So when you see our podcast pop up, you're going to say, what is this? Why is it popping up on my feed? It's us. It's us. It's okay. It's okay, it's us. And also, it's going to sound different. It's okay, it's still us. It's still us. It's going to sound different, <laughs> but that's okay. With our year birthday, it's kind of an exciting time because our podcast birthday is kind of right at the beginning of the new year. Yeah. We decided we're going to clean up shop. We're looking different. We're sounding different. We're sounding different. different. And next week, we're going to start our two-week-long one-year anniversary extravaganza palooza extravaganza palooza our what is our one year anniversary is that what it is i keep trying to call it a two-year anniversary but it's a one year yeah it's anniversary. a one year anniversary because we've been doing this for one year feels like two <laughs> but i'm ching <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing i know i didn't was joking that's why i did the drums <laughs> so next week put your trench coats on and be prepared your- magnifying glasses out perhaps get a hat ready <laughs> um and we'll see you next week for a brand new podcast kind of same yeah, thing brand new podcast same new content look. same content yeah. same people hosts same people yeah or same at still, our core still your best friends that you know and love yeah that you love listening to you love listening to us ramble love hanging out with us Love get our, our opinions on movies, even though sometimes we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, and sometimes we have to make apologies because we say things wrong. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's do okay. we have, wait, before we go, since this is our last, do we have a podcast resolution? A podcast resolution? Like one one goal. I'll, I'll start us off. Okay, okay. My, my resolution on the podcast is to cover one completely happy movie. I think that's a great resolution for you. (laughs) I've been searching for one. And coming off of this, I just need to research a little bit more joy in my life. Okay. And I think I might be opposite spectrum. And my resolution is to do something more dramatic. Hmm. 
I find it thrilling to research dramatic things, and then I don't have to watch it and get scared. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't just realized that yet, because I hate being scared. So just research it, and then you don't be scared. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's com- those are convenient correlating resolutions. Yeah. So those are our resolutions. Um, if you want to be the first to see our new makeover, make sure you follow us on our socials at BasedBiasedRBS on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if you have resolutions for yourself that you want to let us know, you can send them to our email, BasedBiasedRBS at gmail.com. And that's all, folks. And that's it. That's the year. We did it. Clap for us. <laughs> Clap for yourself. Not Okay, he's slapping his boob. <laughs> well one hand's on the mic what's the other to do and i have plenty of room up here oh my god <laughs> it's time to go for us okay we'll see you next week with a whole Bye-bye, different look babies. goodbye I don't have a favorite serial killer, but I do. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. Never what? mind. And he's an Alaskan person. Okay. Um, moving on. According. Should <laughs> <laughs> we? Israel Keys. Okay. According to Douglas's criminal profile. <laughs>